Today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100. They never expire, and they cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Used for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com backslash podcast. That's www.restaurant.com backslash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. Welcome to the Step Up Podcast, a place where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others, while also having some fun along the way. On today's episode, I welcome Kyle Chestis Fox. Kyle did his bachelor's in psychology at Tyndale University and his master's in counseling at Tyndale Seminary. He is currently working towards becoming registered as a psychotherapist. And he's a volunteer counselor with the mental health department at Young Street Mission in Toronto. Nowadays, we talk about mental health so freely, which I I love. I love that we're talking about these things, that it is becoming, there's less stigma attached to it. Kyle and I talk a lot about our experiences in the church, especially, because that is our culture. That is how we grew up. So even if you're not a religious person, I'm sure you'll still understand, you'll still identify with our feelings. But from our experiences, being in the church, there was such a specific specific attitude towards people who suffered from depression. Um, in those days, even anxiety, we didn't talk about. Our discussion is a lot about our experiences within the church culture, for sure. But it's also the culture in general, too. So, yeah, this was a really exciting discussion for me. And I really appreciated that Kyle was coming on to talk about it because I love talking about these things. And it's just so important. And uh, October 10th is Mental Health Day. And I, I think it's exciting that, you know, October is dedicated to mental health. So listen in as Kyle and I uh, discuss counseling and mental health and faith. You and I met at Tyndale first year in our freshman year, and I remember it so clearly. It was that, um, that what was it called, that day where we had to um, run around Toronto doing the scavenger hunt? Orientation. Orientation day. See, I always forget these words. And then we ended up at a Blue Jays game, and I, you were walking beside me, and then you started talking to me, and then you were super friendly, and I was like super anxious and scared. I was so anxious, man. That was crazy. But yeah, you really made me feel at ease, which is fun. <laughs> so how, now I remember we've talked about this before, but tell me a little bit about your journey and why you wanted to be a counselor. Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. <laughs> um, ever since I was younger, I've always been 
but I've always been a people person and wanting to help people. And so I think I've always had that, I guess I would call it like counseling tendency. And so that has always been there. It wasn't until I started going to my church in Barrie. So I grew up in Barrie and uh, while I was in Barrie, I became a Christian uh, around high school. And as I continued along and growing up, being involved in churches, church meetings and youth group and Sunday morning church, I also started to branch out because I was very, I was a friendly person who would meet people. They would invite me to the house for supper. I would get to know all these different families. And it was through that uh, experience and through just connecting with people that I also realized that there's a lot of brokenness within the church and that this brokenness was not always mentioned within the church family. Like you wouldn't hear about this kind of stuff on a Sunday morning with people. And, but being, being at people's houses for supper or like just being around people, you know, playing board games or just spending time with them when it wasn't during church, this is when you start to notice that, uh, you know, these people will be more honest with you and they would say like, oh, you know, you wouldn't know this, Kyle. You know, my wife has anxiety or depression or I struggle with, you know, bipolar or something like that. Yeah. But these are things that they may have mentioned in that church. But I started to notice very quickly that there was like a gap between how the church responds to mental illness and like how people perceive the church and the church's response to mental Because like a lot of people... Uh, would have depression, but they would only tell very few people in the church that they have it because they they were afraid that people would come up to them and be like, oh, like you have depression. Can I pray for you? Maybe you're not reading your Bible enough. You know, maybe you, if you just talk to your pastor more, you know. And so, so there was a disconnect between like what the church saw as mental health and how these people, they obviously loved their church community very much, but there was this disconnect there that I noticed that just from talking to people. So that made me want to, uh, when I eventually wanted to go to university, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of what made me go on the steps to being a counselor because I wanted to go to a specific, um, I wanted to go with a specific purpose in mind of, I want to help bridge the gap between church and spirituality and faith and how the church sees mental illness because there was a lot of there was a lot of blind spots there that I think the church needed to address and that like also be a voice for the people for the Christians who you know take pills but also read their Bible and mm-hmm. um, and let them know that you know that's okay and that the church should be more proactive in helping people that way and and addressing mental health and it should be as common as um, you know, it should be as common as any other discussion that you would hear in church. Um, yeah. And the churches should always be the same uh, with love and grace. Yeah. And not that they don't do that, but it's, it's the church is not as equipped to handle other stuff. Their go-to stuff is like their number one response is, well, you know, how can we pray for that person? Or, you know, how can we get them to attend church more? And like, not that that stuff is not important, but it's like, you know, for somebody that is depressed, they, you know, walking up to them and saying, you know, throwing Bible verses at them or praying for them, that doesn't always help. 
Um, I honestly, I just picture somebody like throwing Bible verses literally. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And and for those people, like it's not like throwing Bible verses; it's like throwing bricks at their face. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's why I started going to Tinder, wanting to be a counselor, is to bridge that gap between science and faith and mental health and and how the church responds to it. That's awesome. I and that was more. Well, I've known you for ten years, almost actually eleven now, almost. So that was like 10, 15 years ago where you kind of went through that. Do you feel in the last 10 years, maybe the church has done a better job or do you still see it? I mean, of course there's always room for improvement, but do you see it changing slowly or how do you see that from where you kind of started before you went to school? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the encouraging thing is that when I started at Tyndale 10 or 11 years ago, and even when I observed this stuff, you know, 15 years ago, there wasn't a lot of, I didn't see a lot of progress uh, between church and mental health. But as I, as I continued through Tyndale, you know, it was almost like, it was like being on the cutting edge of as things were progressing, because while I was at Tyndale, you know, I would hear more, more people be open to talking about mental health, or, you know, I would go back home uh, after being at Tyndale, you know, for three years, I'd go visit, you know, during Christmas time, during Easter, and more people in the church were were okay with talking about mental health. Or, you know, I would hear a sermon randomly that would address things, you know, like suicide or depression or anxiety. And so, yeah, I noticed that the church has been making um, progress towards that area of like bridging the gap between mental health and uh, and faith. And like another practical example is when I. When I first became a Christian, when I first went to Tanil, I had no desire to um, go to missions. And I thought, you know, I might get pitchforks and torches at my house, um, so I won't give my address. But uh, <laughs> I always feel like when I, when I was a younger Christian, I had no desire to do missions or go on mission trips. And I thought that missionaries were like a scam because, <laughs> you know, I never, I never really asked for money and I never really... You know, I feel that that kind of thing is uncomfortable, but you have these missionaries, you know, they make it their life's work to ask people for money and, you know, they, they'll ask for money and also say like, you know, I believe I'm doing God's work and doing all this stuff. But then my heart changed uh, in my like second year of Tyndale, I actually like signed up to go on a trip to Romania. Um, and so, yes, I had all these people at Tyndale you know, they come up to me like, oh, Kyle, I thought you were against mission trips. And like, now you're going on one. And um, so that was a little bit strange. Uh, But even going on mission trips, I learned that like in the past, mission trips used to be like very against if you had a mental illness, or you had depression, anxiety, or like you, you, you know, for you to leave the country, you had to take pills with you, or you had to take something to help you. Um, that was kind of a big no-no for missionaries from what I understand is that, um, you know, the mission groups, they wanted like perfect, uh, you know, quote unquote, perfect people to go on these trips because you're going to a new country. You're going to be involved in different stresses and like, you know, unknown experiences. So they can't really have somebody who's dependent on pills or, you know, or who is prone to panic attacks going to a new situation. Um, you know, so it was more like a safety concern, but, 
as I, as I went on my own mission trip and as I talked to people on my mission trip and as I talked to people who have been involved in mission trips longer than I have, I started to learn the the mission field was being more open up to allowing people. Now it doesn't really matter who goes on a mission trip. Yeah. Uh, they kind of opened up that door. And so that was like a good progression that I think is really healthy is that, um, you know, now they ask you like, how are you managing that stuff? You know, what if you go on a trip and you do get a panic attack versus like, Oh, you get panic attacks. You know, we don't really want you coming on the trip. So that's, <laughs> Um, so it's nice to see that there has been some progress made. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. I understand, yeah. you know, they have to protect, make sure everyone's safe and, you know, protect everybody. But at the same time, it's, it doesn't give much option for people who do struggle with certain things or, you know, or give you most people a chance to do anything. It's funny. Um, I have been to a variety of churches and I've seen a variety of different people in the church and pastors saying different things. My parents went to this church where this one guy had depression at a certain time of the year because it was the time of the year his mom had passed away and it was just really hard. And, and so they wanted to put him under discipline because it was a sin to be depressed. And do you know, I was like swearing when I heard that, like, I'm sorry, but I swear sometimes, which I'm sure they would have been appalled. But anyway, um, <laughs> That really pissed me off because I'm like, wow, you know what? If I went to that church, I'd be like, goodbye. You know, that's not a very good attitude. And then I went to a church where the pastor was like, y'all need more Holy Spirit. Sorry. I'm t- <laughs> I always put like an American accent on him because he loved America and all that. But, and he was like, I don't want you coming to my office, you know, with all your problems. You just need more Holy Spirit. Wow. But then I went to a church where the pastor just was honest and he goes, you know, there's different kinds of depression. There's actual chemical imbalance in the brain. There's situational depression. You know, there's there's different things. And that was the most freeing thing I'd ever heard in the church. At least you're not just saying, you just need to pray more. You just need to read your Bible more. Like, sometimes it's just not anything that is, it, it's a variety of things. Or it can be a variety of things. Have you ever heard of the book, um, Emotionally Free by Grant Mullen? He's um therapist in I think Niagara area no I haven't oh it's so good he talks about how the different there's different views in the church and how some people are like well medication's wrong and then other people are like well you only need medication so he talks about how you might need medication you might need therapy you like there's different things but you can't just like he talks about that you can't just clump it in and say it's just this or that and don't tell people who are on medication that that's wrong because maybe that's the only thing keeping them sane at the time, you know? Yeah. Oh my word. All these, Oh, <laughs> but I find the times are changing. Like it's really nice to see people be more open about mental health than even when I grew up. Like we didn't, everyone has anxiety. And I talked to people from my high school and they're like, Oh yeah, I have anxiety. And I was like, we never talked about it then. Like that was in the nineties. Right. And one of my friends from high school, her daughter, the teacher was, asking the students, especially during the coronavirus when everyone was home, um, how are you guys doing mentally? Like, are you, are you doing okay? And I said to her, I wish we had that in high school. Like <laughs> none of the teachers are like, 
you know, they were only concerned about your marks or that you were there, but maybe you didn't show up to class for a specific reason. You know, it would have been nice for them to at least have some consideration for that, but hopefully people learn from it. So do you think counseling is important for everybody or only like specific people? Like, do you think everyone should get counseling? What's your views on that? Yeah. So, um, and this, this kind of like, this is a good segue into what we're just talking about, like with your experience with school and stuff. I've always held the belief that I think counseling is for everybody. And my, my answer to that is I believe that counseling is good, not just for people who really need it. I think counseling is great for anybody just to, um, just to be able to have somebody to talk to and because I think there's a lot of stigma with um, with counseling or with um, psychiatry or anything like that, where like people think that they have to have a problem to go, you know, like I can't talk to a marriage therapist unless, you know, I'm going through a divorce. No, you can talk to a counselor anytime. It's our job to be like a caring ear for people and to listen to them. And, you know, so I think counseling is for everybody. I think one misconception is that you have to have you have to be going through a bad time or you have to be going through a bad patch to want to like, to come see counseling. You know, I don't think that that is always true. I think counseling is available for everybody and counselors. We don't need to see people when they're having a bad day. We can see people when they're having a good day. And like <laughs> some of the best sessions is when, when clients come in and like they have something great to say, or they want to talk about their progress. And, you know, as a person, not as a counselor, but just as a human being, you know, I just don't want to hear bad stories all the time. Like I like to hear um, stories of people, you know, their strengths and stuff. Um, so I think from, from what I think is like, there's a misconception that you can only go see a counselor if there's something wrong. Um, or if you, you know, if that's what you're looking for. But my answer to that would be like, no, come talk to us. We're real people. We like to laugh <laughs> and we like to celebrate with people. And yeah. Um, you know, there's a genuine desire there to, you know, we want to help people. Yeah. But also we want to be the cheerleaders for people and to be like, you know, you're doing great. Keep it up. You know, and some people come to counseling and that's, and that's what they want to hear. Right. They want encouragement. They want people on their side. And so I think shifting how people see counseling, I think that would be like a next direction in if we can get more people to see counseling as, you know, more than just like, you know, like we're not doctors, we're not, um, you know, we're not psychiatrists. I think I've never heard of this before, but, uh, you know, somebody going in and talking to their doctor, they don't have anything wrong. Like they're not sick, but they're like, oh, hey doc, I just want to let you know about, uh, you know, I just want to give you update about my kid. Uh, you know, he joined softball. Uh, <laughs> You know, like you can't really do that with a doctor, but you can do that with a counselor. You can let us know how you're doing and you can help us. So let us know that, hey, things are going great and that's okay. And yeah, so I, I think I'm just repeating myself at this point, but I think there is a, to see counseling in a more positive light, I think that is kind of the next shift that needs to happen. Yeah. And, and also like going back to your point about your experience growing up uh, in the church and like in school and how mental health was not addressed. One of the best things I've, I've heard during my time at Tyndale was one of our teachers explained it as, you know, 
um, they gave a very good analogy of, you know, if somebody has a problem with their eyesight, they have options. They can get surgery, they can get contacts, they can get glasses. And, you know, the church doesn't look at somebody that has bad eyesight and says like, oh, we need to pray for you, you know, and your eyesight will be healed. Oh, <laughs> you know, this person needs glasses, you know, yeah. so like they can have glasses and they can have Jesus at the same time. And the church isn't, they're not going to be like, oh, you have glasses and your eyesight is very poor. Clearly, like you're not praying enough. Uh, and so I feel like the same argument can kind of be made for pills. You know, you you can see with your eyes and maybe you won't see as great. So that's why you need glasses. They're like an addition to helping you see. And pills are kind of like that. Some people, their brain functions a different way than other people. And so there is, for some people, there is a chemical imbalance. And that's what pills help you to do. Pills help you to stabilize, um, you know, what is happening chemically uh, in your body. You know, so pills kind of like if you just exchange pills for glasses, it's oh you know this person uh you know they can take pills and they can also pray and um so yeah i really like that analogy hearing it in in school and stuff and i never really thought about it that way the same way that the church can look at people that need glasses or the same way that people can look at you know somebody needing a cane to walk these don't hinder the person at all they help them focus on their daily living and the same argument can be made for people with mental health that, you know, um, they need, they need uh, pills or they need like counseling just as much as somebody who would need glasses or a cane would. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, actually, yeah, that is so funny. Sorry. That is funny. Cause that's um, actually one of the examples Grant Mullen uses in his book, people who need glasses. Does the church say to them, we just need to pray more, <laughs> but they do that when you need medication for anxiety or depression or, I mean, especially when you have something like schizophrenia or bipolar. And I've heard churches say this, you need to get off your medication. And it's like, excuse me. Wow. Yeah, you have no right to say it. Like that's somebody who, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when they do go off their meds. So that's craziness, but. Well, and it's funny because I know people who have said they don't, they don't believe counseling works and it's just like, well, it, it won't work for people like you because you're <laughs> saying it doesn't work and you're refusing because they, well, these are the type of people that think they're, there's nothing wrong with them and they're refusing to get help. So of course it's not going to work for you because you're not willing to work on anything because you think you're perfect. Right. So yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I wish I had had counseling in, in my teenage years. I know my parents didn't want me on any medication. They were like, oh, we don't want you to see a therapist. Cause at that time it was mostly just like psychiatrists or what's the other term? What's the other person? Psychiatrist or um, psychologist. Psychologist. <laughs> I always forget the word. <laughs> um, Although can they medic they can't prescribe drugs, right? Psychologists? Is it only psychiatrists? I always get confused. I only took one year of psych. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got mad um, at me because I went to psych uh, philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say anything and then like and then be wrong. And then Tyndale calls me and be like, um <laughs> like we want our you should probably back. Do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But my parents didn't want me on medication. And so they're like, no, you, you know, we don't want you to go. But then when I actually did move to Toronto and I did go to therapy and I was given medication for anxiety, I was on antidepressants for like eight years, which I actually just got off. But I needed that because my body, people would say, well, you need to focus on your thoughts. But the problem is your body reacts so quickly that your body, you're just in like the state of, you can't focus on anything else. And you're just like hyperventilating and stuff or whatever. And I needed that. So then I could focus on my thoughts. So my body wouldn't constantly react all the time. And for me, it saved my life. Cause I don't know, you know, I would have just spiraled down. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, do you see any specific growing trends when you counsel people? Like, is there anything that, that there's more anxiety even in the last few years that you've been working? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with the positive trends here. So I think one thing I've noticed just from doing counseling during my internship and being a volunteer, um, and like slowly as I gradually move into being a registered psychotherapist, one thing that I've been amazed at is just how much self-care has been an important part of counseling. And self-care is just, you know, it's doing these little things for yourself, um, and they could be practical things and like they could be physical things that you need to do, but they can also be like emotional and spiritual things. Um, and these are just uh, little self-care things you can do. Um, you know, a practical example would be doing your dishes. If chores are a big deal for you in your household and stuff, there's just some days where people can't function. You know, they, they kind of go through um, their day to day being like, Oh, you know, I really need to get my laundry done or I really need to get my dishes done. And part of self-care is also, it's part of it is boundaries and part of it is just knowing what you're able to handle and what you can't handle. Uh, for example, like in counseling, a really good self-care thing is we ask people, we try to figure out like what they can handle and what they can't handle. And, you know, for one person, you know, doing the dishes is no problem. Uh, but for another person, it might be a big struggle and they feel that, it becomes a snowball where like they don't do their dishes, then they don't do their laundry. And then, you know, they feel like their whole house is a mess and they kind of get into the spiral of, they don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of self-care is being like, you know, for that person who's really struggling, can you do one dish a day, just like one? And, you know, or like, what can you do to make that first step? And often that first step, um, is self-care you know for some people they if they get really anxious or something you know something as easy as going for a walk outside uh yeah you know if that's something that they can do that's kind of what self-care is and like so that's a growing trend that I've seen is just you know often the start of counseling is just figuring out what are their basic needs you know uh, feeling are like, are they working towards getting just their basic needs in check? You know, are they right. eating right? Are they sleeping right? Are they exercising? And oftentimes, you know, you'll find that people, when they feel like they don't have those things in order, you know, that's when bigger issues come in. And it's, you know, oh, you know, I haven't been eating healthy. You know, I go out for fast food every day. Maybe that's why I'm really feeling so bad or like why I'm, you know, oh, 
and really, you know, me eating the fast food, I'm not exercising and, you know, actually my sleep is thrown off. So, you know, that's like a very common thing that you would hear in counseling. And it, for them, it's like a light bulb hits and they're like, oh, what if I just started drinking one glass of water a day? Or, you know, what if I took time to actually read a book I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's not just physical things. It's also like things that you can do, things that you can do to make yourself feel happy. So, so that's kind of like a growing trend that I've seen is just, you know, that realization of, um, you know, there's these little things that people can do that will drastically help them, uh, that will help improve their mental health. It's like another misconception is people come into counseling wanting advice. Yeah. Uh, you know, Explain the way that I've me. been trained. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, you know, they want us to, um, you know, they want us to write everything on a on a chalkboard or write everything down on a piece of paper and have this brilliant answer for them that they didn't <laughs> consider. And as well, no, you know, have you tried exercising? Have you tried, you know, eating a salad once a week? We throw out these small things. They kind of look and they're like, what? I thought you were supposed to give me, uh, you know, I thought you were supposed to give me like this grand answer that I didn't think of. Like, you're just telling me that, you know, if I, if I work towards these healthy habits, I'll feel better. And um, obviously like that doesn't work for everybody all the time, but I'm just giving like a generic example of, Mm. uh, you know, mental health doesn't always have to mean mental health. Like it could just mean taking care of your physical health can help you out with your mental health, um, you know, Sure, and yeah. and that's kind of like the realization that people don't have. They're like, "What? Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought I thought I had to do more meditation or something, and I'll feel better for my mental." And it's like, "No." Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about. And like, misconception is that people, um, you know, they come in here looking for advice, and it's like we don't do that. You you tell us what's going on and like what's happening, and we just kind of do the Socratic method and like ask you questions. And, you know, a lot of people will, you know, by asking more questions on top of questions or asking them, like, we're kind of challenging their perspective. And as you challenge the perspective, like gently, right, with grace, but as you start to do that and you build this, um, you know, connection with your counselor, as the counselor is asking you questions, you're kind of like, you come to this realization of, oh, you know, I can actually start doing this stuff on my own. You know, I can... Uh, you know, I can do these self-care steps. I can do the meditation. I can do, I can start to think about all this stuff. So then mm-hmm. what happens is the client is the one who comes up with the answers and the counselor, I mentioned at the beginning of, you know, taking on that cheerleader role, you know, you are doing these things and you come out, you came up with these things on your own. We didn't tell you what to do. We didn't give you advice. He's like, you have all the answers in front of you. It's just a matter of, some people need that extra push to realize this stuff. And that's empowering. You know, and that, Yeah. And that, that's why I say like often, you know, the smallest step is, is often looking at self-care because it's the one area that a lot of people don't think, uh, they don't think like that's something where counselors would, uh, you know, mention to them or right. they're like, Oh, I need to see a dietitian or I need to, you know, I need to get like an exercise instructor to help me out. It's like, well, the the first step is like talking about and realizing what you're doing and what you're not doing uh, and like what you have control over. So anyway, I'm saying like a lot of stuff, but like all of this kind of goes together. And um, 
yeah, so that's been like a growing trend is just like these small revelations that people have that they never really considered uh, in counseling. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, so you do like philosophy a little bit at least <laughs> using the Socratic method. <laughs> oh, I mean, our- you know, I dabble. <laughs> oh yay! I'm glad Dr. Davis would be glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, Tyndale, we always had this. Uh, psychology students versus the philosophy students saying like you know you hated each other's topics it was pretty funny and I was like what they're both awesome what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend Danielle and she was always like be good to yourself you know be gentle with yourself and practice self-care and she was the first one that was really I don't know where I kind of heard that stuff wow I'm never gentle with myself self-care what's that you know I mean but I've started doing things like affirmations where you know you speak positively to yourself and that's a form of self-care as well where you're not just constantly I mean basically my 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 whole life I was always talking down to myself and so just speaking positive things to yourself is is a form of self-care and it's like it can change your whole attitude too, which is super exciting, but yeah. Now we talked or I talk about the anxiety and depression and I, we just see that so much, um, especially with the youth, although pretty much anybody nowadays, um, are there any, do you, what do you see as reasons why people are having more anxiety and depression than maybe like our grandparents or do you think there's something affecting us more so now? Is it the business of life or is it just, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, that's a really heavy question. I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll start off by saying, you know, these are my observations and like my opinions. So, um, you know, I don't want to say like I'm an expert for mankind and this is what I've seen. You know, these are the trends over the, the centuries and stuff, but I th- I think on the one hand, we look at our current time now and we see how busy it is, even like pre-COVID and post-COVID, you know, like pre-COVID, the world wasn't slowing down. Like, I think it was getting faster. Um, I remember I sent an email to some friends of mine uh, with this like commercial that I really liked. Uh, And the commercial was, um, the point of it was making time for, for, you know, having dinner with family and friends. And it was this lady, she you know, she noticed that people in the commercial, like families were not spending time together as much. And so I think this person or this character, they just did something very small where they invited, like they took their table um, from from their apartment and they stuck it in, in the hall, in like the middle of the hall. I saw and that. They set, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they set like the dining table and they made a really fancy dinner and they just like knocked on doors and invited Um, their neighbors to come and join them for a meal and as the commercial went on the table got bigger and and over the course of the commercial like some people in the commercial you know an old crotchety guy would be like oh I don't want to join these people you know but by the end of the commercial the guy's joining them you know they're all doing the how the Grinch stole Christmas kind of thing where like the old crotchety guy is like carving the roast beast and um and that's kind of how the commercial sorry his heart's getting bigger (laughs) yeah yeah and he's like, wow. Like, and then there's like a little caption, you know, like one of those hallmark things. It's like family is the spice of life or what. And then, uh, 
And then it's like an ad for one underwear or whatever. But um, <laughs> like, I really like those, like that commercial specifically because uh, this is something I saw pre-COVID. Whoever, like the company that made this commercial, they're really onto something. You know, we need to get back to spending time with family and slowing things down. You know, and then COVID happened. And now you have five months where you're with your family um, and things did slow down. Uh, but I think like that busyness definitely contributed to like more stress and more anxiety. And I don't know, like, I don't know if this trend has been, um, I don't know if there's been more anxiety and depression in modern times than there have been in past times. I, my gut feeling is kind of um, that there's been no change and that anxiety and depression and stuff has always just kind of been consistent over the centuries. It's just mm -hmm. that, the only difference is that, uh, like, our understanding of, uh, you know, our bodies, um, our understandings of science has changed to the fact that we're just, we're realizing more stuff. And, and as the um, years go by, like, we're going to find new stuff. Um, yeah. and, I think, and I think that with knowledge, we start to realize that, you know, as with the knowledge of science and stuff, as we know more things, we're going to be like, oh, we didn't know that this contributes to stress, but now we do. And so I guess that would be kind of my answer is it feels like there, there is a change, but um, you know, maybe realistically there has been no change. It's just been consistent that people, you know, there have been factors that we knew from the past and there just happens to be more factors that we know now. We're also, because we're talking about it more maybe that's why it seems like there's more. Whereas the, the men that came back after world war one and world war two, there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of abuse. Like they would, um, probably not all. I'm, I'm just saying from some of the movies you see, you know, because they suffered from PTSD and then they would drown it out with alcohol. And then they would, you know, beat on their kids and their wives. Like, but if they were, if in those days they would have had, been able to talk about these things and, and been able to have help. I'm sure we've seen a lot less of that, but they didn't talk about it in those days, which is really, really sad. And I'm just like, Oh, those poor people. Like, you know, if this stuff had been back then, it would have been so much more helpful for them. But yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'm not an expert either. Um, I didn't graduate from, well, I didn't graduate at all from Tyndale. <laughs> Uh, but definitely not with my degree in counseling, but I think also just with so much for my, my own sanity too, even being on social media sometimes. And I said this to somebody recently, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I call the old days, the eighties and nineties when I grew up, but if you would talk to somebody back then, you would get like maybe one, two opinions, but now you go online and you've got like a hundred different opinions in one minute. And it's so and ads like constant ads for everything. So it's just so much stimulation and so much kind of coming at us that I think if we're not careful with that, it can also just overwhelm us and make us very anxious. But I think there's a lot of factors too. I also think, yeah, eating cause we eat a lot of crap. I know that that always fueled my anxiety, although I didn't realize it until after um, when I started eating better, I'm like, Oh, wow, <laughs> this has helped my anxiety just even eating better, you know, so. We're going to take a little commercial break 
and we'll be right back. Hey, creme lovers, this one's for you. Check out Crumb Trails by L, located in Brampton, servicing the GTA. Contact us for your personalized orders. Specializing in buttercream cakes and cupcakes, we also offer a variety of cookies, cheesecakes, cheesecake minis, and our ever-famous maple walnut walnut bars. Check out our page on Instagram at Crumb Trails by L. That's crumbtrails.by.elle. Or contact us at 416-473-5845 for all your Crumtaculous needs. this is just the tail end of our conversation as we wrap things up. I was also going to say science is an ever evolving field. So like even, even health science, we're always discovering new things. And oftentimes who knows what will happen in the next five or 10 years from now. Like a lot of things that we think may be good or healthy now, you know, we might find out will be bad later. I think like in the the fifties and sixties and stuff, you know, like they, people thought that smoking was good and like they would have, you know, doctors would recommend like, this is the number one brand of cigarettes that everybody should have. And now it's like, you know, as you get into the, you know, by the eighties and nineties, people are like, Oh, actually, you know, cancer is a thing, you know, yeah. oh, it seems to be kind of, you know, there's so many health things, like so many bad stuff that's connected to smoking, but who's to say that, you know, 10 years from now, people will be like, oh, actually, you know, why would that culture even do that? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, 50 years are going to be, what were those people thinking? Like how we think about those people from 50 years back. <laughs> Anyways, it's good talking to you again. Thank you for coming on. Yay. Yeah, no, thank you. And thanks for having me. Well, I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. In the discussion with Kyle, I do mention the book called Emotionally Free by Grant Mullen. It is a faith-based book, but for those of you who are interested, I'm sure you can Google it and find it on Amazon. Kyle did want me to let you know you can actually contact him. He's always open to hearing what other people have to say. If you have any questions or want to continue the discussion with him about mental health and, and faith, he's a very open guy, very friendly. So you can contact him on Facebook at Kyle Chastis Fox. Uh, his last name is spelled C-H-A-T-Z-I-S dash Fox, F-O-X. On Instagram, he's Wolf Chastis Fox. So he spells that. Uh, so Wolf Chastis, C-H-A-T-Z-I-S, and Fox is F-A-W-K-E-S. <laughs> He's always changing the, the spellings. And his email is kylefox at hotmail.com. That's K-Y-L-E-F-A-W-K-E-S at hotmail.com. Because <laughs> he just has to make that much more difficult for me to say. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Um, I love you all. You are amazing. And I want you to know, if you have any struggles with mental health, if you need any encouragement, send me a note. I'm on Facebook at Stuff Up Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Stuff Up Podcast. Uh, you can also email me at stuffuppodcast at gmail.com. 
And I actually just started a website. Finally, it's Stuff Up Podcast or www.stuffuppodcast.com. And on this website, I actually just started a blog. So you can follow my thoughts on each episode that I post starting now, <laughs> not the previous ones, obviously. Uh, you can also contact me through the website as well. But know that you are awesome. You are doing well. You are doing the best you can do. Keep going. You know, even though you're going through the hardest time you are where you're at right now, it doesn't last forever. I know. I thought life sucked. I just didn't think I had a purpose. I thought there was, my anxiety was so bad, my depression. I wanted to die many days. I just wanted to die. But I kept going. Life gets better. You can do this. So don't give up. Reach out for help if you need help. In Canada, we have the Can Canadian, yeah. We have the Canada Suicide Prevention Service. Uh, it's a toll-free number, 24-7. Their number is 1-833-456-4566. That's 833-456-4566. Call that number if you feel like you're at your end, if, you're, if you need to talk to somebody, if you need to reach out. There is hope out there, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't believe it. There is. So don't give up. Don't give in to those feelings that say there's no hope because there is. You can listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podcast Addict, Deezer, you know, basically all the places you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you can rate me on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. I would really appreciate it. You can also go to, and I've got this, I got this website wrong before. <laughs> It's ratethispodcast.com backslash stuff up. I used to say rate this podcast backslash stuff up, but no, it's ratethispodcast.com backslash backslash stuff up. <laughs> Go out there, live your best life, reach out for help, and just make it a great day. <laughs>